Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. And it's rainy out there, like really rainy out there, so keep it safe, and it feels kind of springy, except that it's 37. So it's like could be on snow the, on the edge of slushy. What do you yeah. call it? The mixed wood variety pack. Wintry, that? wintry mix. Wintry mix. Wintry mix. Thought it, it was the variety so pack. Oh. Slush and I've snow. I've always called it sleet. You guys call it sleet? That's more. Icy. I actually think sleet's different. Is it than it's the wintry icy. mix? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well. Wintry mix doesn't make your mailman fall on his tukus. <gasps> sleet does. Fair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, do you learn something new every day? Well, there you go. You're still young. <laughs> Thank you. <sighs> I got a lot to learn. We all do. Everyone does. That's true. If you think you're done learning, you got I, a lot more to I learn than you want, think. I don't want to partner with you in ministry. <laughs> think again. <laughs> yeah, man. That ain't going to be happening. So we're off and rolling here today, guys. We're talking about live uh, truths that will really change you. Now, when we're looking at this passage in 2 Corinthians, this is an important passage of Scripture because starting in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh, which is good, right? Yes. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now, this, this is huge, like battle metaphor here, right? Huge. I mean, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. This is military-esque here. Yeah. Verse 5, we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. You know, there's been a lot of discussion I've been reading and reading on this one about what in the world this means. Like, what's going on here? And whether it's the worship of knowledge or whatever the case, it was anything that ran counter to the claims of Christ. And the Apostle Paul said, listen, this one who I used to chase down and I wanted to kill every one of his followers, he is both Lord and Savior. And the church at Corinth, by the way, had all kinds of problems because although they were a robust city, they were a dysfunctional church. Mm. They had guys getting together, uh, having drinking parties before they had communion. That's what we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Mm. So they were breaking up in little groups, and guys are getting drunk, and guys are doing this, and guys are doing that. And he's yeah. like, Paul says, man, this isn't the Lord's Supper you're taking. So it was a divided group, but the apostle Paul comes in and he says, listen, here's the bottom line. Anything that's raised up against the knowledge of Christ, anything that kind of goes above Jesus, anything that's not reliant on the Savior of the world, man, I want to tear down those strongholds. Take every thought captive unto the Lordship of Christ. How do we take something captive unto the Lordship of Christ? You guys ever thought about that? Think it just, and there's no, you know, specific definition. If you don't get this one, your chair's going to zap you. (laughs) Well, good. This is a tough one because you do think like, okay, what does it mean to take something captive? And immediately you do think because of the metaphor, a war, what it means to be taken captive, kind of imprisoned, not able to get out. Not mm-hmm. able to move around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not able to battle against you anymore. What I think of is lack of control. Uh, so, you know, my I think it's easy to feel like our thoughts intrusive kind of have control over us. And yes. I just can't stop thinking this. But taking them captive and putting them up to the lordship of Christ is is kind of saying, 
You don't have control in this situation. I am moving my thoughts because you don't tell me what to do. Yeah, that's that's powerful. Cambridge Bible says it this way. Paul refers to the efforts of human reason to deal with things beyond it. The best corrective of which is and always will be the simple proclamation of God's message to man. Isn't it weird? But there's no substitute for the message that Jesus came into a sin-sick world. He died. He rose again. He's the Savior of the world. And we need to humble ourselves under his mighty hand, and he will lift us up. This whole passage is dealing about warring with pride in our life. And, you know, as you're getting up, getting going this morning, I got to tell you guys something, Boom Crew. This is the big banana in our spiritual life. Yeah. This issue of pride, this issue of self-will, this issue of I've got to have it my way or an unteachable spirit or anything like that. That is death. And what Paul's speaking of here is in a very divided culture. It's like anything that's raised up amidst the knowledge of God. And here's the beautiful thing. When we focus our eyes on Jesus, and it's not about our agenda or how we're going to do it. It's not what are those lists of things that we had in the first hour. It's not I can do this. I know what's best. It's my responsibility. I know their motivations. I can fix them. But when it's Jesus Christ, the most powerfully unifying force on in this planet is the power of Jesus Christ to bring us together as we humble ourselves under his leadership. It's hard. And the thing is you can you can think pride. Yeah, I don't don't think that's a struggle for me. And you in your mind you probably can easily think of people who you know who you think are prideful. Yeah. But a lot of times we don't see this in our in ourselves until we're pricked. Until something doesn't go our way. Totally. You bump the cup. our cup is bumped. And then all of a sudden what spills out almost surprises us where we go, oh, that's in there. Yeah. And we know this has to do with pride and, and where are we putting our confidence in self or in Christ? Because look at verse 7. It goes on. Look at what, Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so also are we. And here, here's, this is just, for, for the Apostle Paul, everything was found in Jesus. We're following him. We're going his way. Don't, don't let pride get in the way. Tear down every lofty thought. Take it captive so that it can't do battle with us. It becomes a prisoner of war so that it can't do battle with our forward movement with Christ. Coming up here in a couple of minutes, we're going to tackle a question here. But Boom Crew, I got to tell you, this is this is one of the most powerful things in Scripture. When we can not war according to the flesh, but war in the power of the Holy Spirit to take down lofty thoughts that are raised up against God, humble ourselves, receive Jesus as he is, his counsel. Katie, bar the door. Whether it's number one or 100, take that step with Jesus today. You're listening to Carlin Crew Mornings. Boy, this is a big step. This is a tough one to even take here, but I'm going to give it to you guys. Without any further ado, let's jump into a text that we're going to be tackling all day today. In verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. So let's break that down. What's that mean? What's, what's going on there? That although we are still in human bodies... Living in the world, we don't wage war against the world itself. 
Yeah, and we don't wage war with uh, earthly mechanisms, right? Absolutely. Right. So in the Greek word here is sarks, and that just means all that we are apart from God's power. So it's our memories, it's our self-will, it's our self-effort. So he says we've got to take on this battlefield with something that is not fleshly. Verse 5, excuse me, verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not, you've often heard it use carnal, Right. Right. <laughs> or of the flesh is what it says in the ESV, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Mm-hmm. So you got to ask a question. What are the strongholds? Yes, absolutely. Right. Yes. So we're, we're not waging war in the flesh. Mm-hmm. We've got divinely, supernaturally powered weapons of war to tear down strongholds. And here's the strongholds. We would destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, here's what's interesting about this. Oftentimes, the things that we think we're taking captive are those insecure thoughts, those thoughts that are diminishing. But the Apostle Paul is making a more direct reference here to tearing down those things that are raised up against the knowledge of God. And there's some amazing commentary on this. But I'm going to go right to one of my favorites here. Jameson Fawcett uh, Brown are biblical commentators, and this is their summation. They say the three steps of the apostles' spiritual warfare are it demolishes what is opposed to Christ. So anything that is counter to his teaching, his humility, it leads captive. So it takes it captive and brings it into obedience to Christ. So those are the three steps of warfare. So what's going on here is that there's lofty things that are things that are raised up. And uh, this is easy to see if we take an honest look at our own life, isn't it? Yeah, that there are lofty opinions. And this doesn't necessarily just mean, oh, I think I'm so wonderful. But there are opinions that are uh, not obedient to God, that they are not in line with the word of God, that are raised up in their in our lives in terms of how they influence our thoughts, our behaviors, our actions. Boom, and I'm getting some that are coming to my mind right now because they're things that that I battle with every day. So what are some of the things that are raised up against the knowledge of God? I'm going to give you one. I can do this. Mm -hmm. Okay? Absolutely. I can do this. That's a big one, right? Yep. What are some other opinions that are raised up against the real knowledge of God that we need to take captive? I know what's best. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I'm writing these down. I know what's best. It's my responsibility. Man, you guys are on fire. It's my responsibility. That This is so good. I'm writing these down, Boom mm. Crew. Mm. Allie's going to make one of these cool little, can you make one of those cool little Funkadelic thingies that you put out on Facebook later yeah. on? Yeah, I can do that. It's my responsibility. <laughs> Oh, all right, Super Die. Yeah, right on. Okay, <laughs> it's my re- so I can do this. I know what's best. It's my responsibility. Woo! Wow. Now there's myriad of things, right, that we raise up against the oh, knowledge yeah. of God. Yeah. I know their motivations. Mm, yep. Subtle but real. Absolutely. I know their motivations. Feel that every time someone is going too fast on the highway for me and cuts me off, I get angry. <laughs> I know they were just trying to be mean about it. 
Yeah, and, and by the way, we need to be careful with that one because Absolutely. my wife and I were shocked one time when we saw somebody just darting through traffic and just acting like an idiot, yep. only to find out later. I forget how we even found this out. He had a pregnant wife that was giving birth on board. Yep. Oh, wow. And he's laying on his horn, got his flashers on, and people are like, what are you doing? Well, yeah. he's trying to get to a hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Now. That's not the case every single time. No, I, I mean, get that. You don't want to go, well, Pastor Carl said that we need to imagine that there's a pregnant woman on board all the time. <laughs> no, but, I mean, th- th- we got to make sure that we're not raising up thoughts. What are some other ones, guys? I think a, mm. a key ones. another one is kind of like I can fix either a person or a situation. Yeah. Boom. Because can we? No. No. I can fix it or them. Or all the above, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. I can fix it. I or can fix them. them. <laughs> and do we do anything apart from the power of God? No. Nothing. Never. I mean, it's all about God. Mm-hmm. So why is this important? We're going to talk about that coming up because we got to break this down. Why is this important to break that? And by the way, does this have real world application for us? It does. Oh, yeah, because everything that we just mentioned is a way of thinking that's rooted in pride. Every one of them. It's raised up against the knowledge of God. And what do we do? We've got, we've got these powerful weapons of war that are not carnal, they're not fleshly, and they're for the tearing down of these strongholds. So we take every thought captive. What thoughts are we taking captive? I can do this. I know what's best. It's my responsibility. I know their motivations, and this has so so many implications. Praying for a wayward kid, getting out of a financial stick that you're you're stuck into something, right? I mean, it goes on and on and on. So we're going to break this down. Why is this so vital? We've given you enough to be fully convicted right now, so you can go <laughs> on your way rejoicing. There you go. It's like coffee, but for your ears. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. You know, some of these um, some of these old-time commentators, man, they just absolutely nailed this stuff. If we look in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, as we are today, the Apostle Paul is speaking to a group of people that are much like us. where We have a temptation to not humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. And the Apostle Paul uses military language here to illustrate how in the world we're battling with pride. And if we're going to make war with pride, we've got to, well, listen to what commentator McLaren says about this casting down of fortresses or taking thoughts captive and pulling down everything that's raised up against Christ. See if this makes sense. You got to put on your thinking cap here. Any parent tell their kid that when they were little, put on your thinking cap. Put on your thinking cap. Here's your thinking cap. Listen to this close. The first effect of any real contact with Christ and his gospel is to reveal a man to himself, to shatter his delusive estimates of what he is, and to pull down about his ears the lofty fortress in which he has ensconced himself. So here's what McLaren says. That what God is constantly pulling down is the pride of man. And isn't that, at the end of the day, the biggest problem? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Come on. It's it, this it, self-will, this self-determination, this self-righteousness, self-anything. I mean, anything that you put before – when time you put the word self before anything, it goes bad. 
I mean, you think about this in marriage. If you've got one person who's going to be stuck in pride, you are not going to have intimacy in marriage. You won't. Yeah. Because pride is the barrier to knowing someone's heart, to being heard themselves. I mean, if you're trying to love someone who's got a shell around their heart and it's called pride, that's almost like an, a, an unlovable person. By the way, I want to say this right now, a big cautionary thing in my spirit here. But the Apostle Paul also calls this time and again, even if we have an unbelieving spouse, hang in there. Why? Because the one thing that can penetrate pride is the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. Isn't that wild? That's good. It's so good. So we've got to hang in there. And we love and we care and uh, because sometimes pride can cause us to bail out of things too soon. So it's a, it's a unique thing. Could it be that the most powerful thing you could do today, I mean powerful, is get in touch with the Christ who saved you and brought you to the end of yourself? Because I'm going to read this again. The first effect of any real contact with Christ in his gospel is to reveal a man to himself, to shatter his delusive estimates of what he is. Woo! Yeah. And, and I mean, that's... I don't know that we, these, these, uh, you know, I tease like I'd like to read these dead Germans. Well, the truth is some of these old writers of the last couple, 300 years, some of them understood and spoke to the nature of man more, more than we do. Oh yeah. I mean, these are hard words, but what the apostle Paul is saying here is he's just saying, don't let your will, your way, your flesh Rise up and try to control any situation. Let Jesus do that. So how, how do we do that? The first step is to identify where that pride lurks in our heart. Yeah, so coming up here in a moment, I've got an illustration from yesterday that is, I, I think it's a good illustration. Uh, Allie and I, we had a momentary brouhaha. And it's all cleared up, so I, now I can look back at the aftermath and go, well, what in the cat hair happened here? So I'm going to break it down for you. And what's funny is we I'm not going to go to the heart of the issue at all because it's usually the issue is usually never the issue. Sure. It's how we respond to it. Hang on. Helping you start your day off right, this is Carl and Crew Mornings. All right, see, you guys stuck around to listen, didn't you? You wanted to hear about that. See, isn't that funny in human nature? I share that uh, Allie and I had a dust-up in here yesterday for, like, I mean, in a span of time, it's just like a little shunk. It's it's coming out of that that takes more time than the sure. little shunk, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And let me, let me just say this. I'm going to say it really simply. It doesn't even matter what the issue was. In fact, it was rather small and should have been easily resolved. The thing that I had to own in it is I kept pressing my side of this thing Pressing, pressing, pressing. What's the value in me pressing, pressing, pressing? Nothing. What's the motivation of me pressing, pressing, pressing? Me. I want to get, I want to be heard here. I want this thing to be clear. I want to put a stamp on this sure. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact is, guys, every time we do that, every time our need, I'm going to go back to what McLaren said here, every time we have delusive es- es- delusive estimates of who we are, and Christ is down a notch below what we need in that moment. 
man, we're setting ourselves up for trouble. And we get confronted in our pride all the time. And a lot of times it's sometimes it comes in the form of somebody else. I think when you're walking with the Lord, a lot of times it's that still small voice that allows you to see, oh, look at your motives here. Yeah. Mm, look at that. Listen to do you hear what you just said? Do you hear what's going on? And it's that check. And it's so easy to dismiss because the our me, the flesh in me wants to go, but but no, but wait. Yeah. But I'm right here. But I have the I have the right to say what I want to say. Right. Are we going to listen to that voice of the Holy Spirit that goes, careful? Yeah, and, and the, that doesn't mean that you never speak. Not at all. But it's most often in how you do it. Because it's that still small voice usually deals with our own motives and the things that are quietly taking place in our heart. Yeah. And yeah. so we're the only, oftentimes we're the only one who's fully aware of that. That pride that's the underlying driver for what we're doing or saying. Yeah, I, I'm reminded of what my bride asked me. Oh, how convicting now in retrospect. Uh, let's see, we've been married 35 years, so about three decades ago. Yeah. 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 Oh, I am doing that yeah. voice. Yeah, there um, it is. So about three decades ago, we had a big old dust up, and my bride was crying the next day, and... and uh, She's, she asked me a question. She said, do you work hard when you pitch in to help me around here to help me or to convince me that I'm not that good at what I do? Ooh, that's a hard question to receive. Especially when you know there's a little bit of truth in both sides. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, is there anything uglier than Watching a person who's so full of arrogance, but they don't have a clue about it. I mean, that's just one of the grossest things on the planet, man. Yeah. Or being in being in a relationship or trying to be on a team with someone who can't humble themselves to listen to anything, even for a moment. It's a bummer. Or that they've got to have it right. And it, it can be so dangerous, guys. So coming up here in a minute, we got a question yet, Allie? You concocted one for us? I'm I'm ready for your story because don't leave us out here. We know that we're not the only ones. (laughs) Tell us about a moment where you were confronted with your pride. Maybe it was somebody else who came to you and said, hey, you're being prideful here. Probably it was the voice of the Holy Spirit checking you on the pride that was in your heart. Tell us about a moment you were confronted with. In your pride. 312-274-9624. 312-274-9624. We should have phone lines filling up. Yeah, what's going on, guys? For this one, I'm just going to believe that right there. A moment you were confronted well, to with be your fair, pride. To be fair, they, they uh, Boom Crew got up this morning. They didn't know they were going to have an opportunity to have such a glorious question put to yeah. them. True. True. <laughs> what's the question again, Allie? A moment you were confronted with. With your pride at home, at work, in a relationship, all of the above, 312-274-9624. This, uh, it's like the last two weeks we've been asking questions that are hard to ask, but like the most important. Want to put faces to the names? Just follow Carl and Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget, that's Carl with a K. Okay, got some good questions coming in. Got some good. Oh, here's a question I want you to wrestle with, Allie. You can answer it in a little bit because you're in the middle of this. Please differentiate between individual pride that is wrong and the pride a parent has when they see a child of theirs accomplish mm-hmm. something great. And we'll get into that. There's even scripture that directly goes to that. But I want to get back to interviewing 
super die. Why? And I'm doing this. I'm, I'm doing this tongue in cheek, but in all truthfulness, I think there is a. How? Do, let me just ask you this way: Super die is sweet. Mm-hmm. She's kind. She's soft spoken. Yes. She's a servant. Yes. And so you would think, boy, maybe super die. Some people might think is not apt to struggle with pride. At a very honest level, do you get hit with pride? Oh, for sure. How does it how does it manifest itself and how are you able to keep it in check so well? I, I don't think I keep it in check so well. I, I, that'd be pride if I Honestly, said I did. Yeah. So we'll start off with that one right away. Um, <laughs> no, but you know what I mean, apparently yeah. in check. So you're saying pride can be subsurface, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I can get caught in a lot of things. Like, for example, the workplace, I tend to get pride in the fact that I, I can do it and I can do it better and I'll handle it. I'll handle it. I'll handle it. Let me do it. Let oh, me do it. Let okay. me do it. This is good to know. And it's like, okay, you know what? Back off. You know, and I have to really check myself. And it's like, okay, why am I really doing it? Why am I trying to keep my hands on something that I really don't need to? Oh, that's really good. Feed that is so honest. Else. Bless somebody else. Let, you know, teach. Don't yeah, take. Yeah, that's, that's really good. That's good. Yeah. And I'm probably, I mean, with the parent thing, I can get mixed in that, too. And it's not the pride that, oh, I'm proud that my son did something well. It's the pride that you start comparing kids. And you can get caught in that a little bit, whether yeah. my kid's been in athletics for a very long time. Even academically, you start going, hmm, not check, check. Come That's on. so honest and Ooh. so true. And every parent can fall <laughs> into that. Shame on you. You know, come on. So. I think I think nothing proves pride in parents like Summer league sports. Oh Thank you. I, I'm you telling know. you, it's the worst thing in the world. <laughs> and I say summer league because I'm because there's nothing really at stake, but you still see people losing their ever loving yeah, I mean, minds at every weekend at like, sporting events, yeah. and then throughout the week. You know, you got that thing. Where, well, we're not going to keep score. Well, I am in my mind. So oh, there you go. Oh, listen, you know, it's like listen, stop. Listen, this this no keeping score league. Just get the tote board up there because everybody knows the score. Right. Well, we always joke that that's how my son learned to do math. Is when we when he first played, when he first started playing basketball. Oh, that is funny. He was probably he started playing in little like kiddie rec leagues when he was three or four. And so they would play in these no score games yes, and we could yep. just see his wheels turning. And he's like, it's we're up by three, it's 17, it's 14. <laughs> and he learned how to do sure. math by keeping score yeah, of it. no sure. score games in his head. I get it. Yep. That's funny. That's he's it. great at math. <laughs> Not that I'm being prideful. No, I'm with you. Uh, Kevin in <laughs> Cedar Lake, what do you say, man? Uh, when did you realize, man, I got pride here. Thank you for calling in and having courage, by the way, Kevin. Yes, um, goes back to my testimony. Halfway through it, um, I was ranting and raving to my mom about life, how I hated it. And I heard this still small voice in my head say to me, you always thought you could handle life by yourself. What about now? And uh, it was the truth, but I didn't want to hear it. And uh, I fought God all the way to the end, uh, up until the time I surrendered. And he saved me and changed me. And I have no confidence in myself anymore. Mm. After that, I quit graduate school. I wanted to be a counselor and help people. I couldn't help myself. So I lost faith in that. And I have my faith in God. And I just go around sharing my story in his gospel because I can know, I know that can help and change others much more than I could have as a counselor. That's awesome, bro. Kevin, I appreciate it. I love your heart, man. 
You know, oh, the, what's really wild about this is that we're never more powerful than when, when we're at the lowest point in our life. God's, God's power is what? Perfected in our weakness. weakness. That's where his power is perfected. And it's really wild because, well, coming up here in a moment, I want to tell you, <laughs> oh, I could laugh about it now, but it's the hall of shame here. You know, here I am radically transformed by Jesus. And within, goodness sakes, 24, 36 months, I now have my perception of how people should act and how they should oh. be when God was so gracious with me. And it's one of the most humbling things going. So I guess this is the hall of shame for Carl and Kevin this morning, huh? And thank we you, can, Supernatural. We, I think we can share here. <laughs> we, can, we, can share. we can share the, the wealth. Oh, yeah. You have a story. Tell us a time you were confronted in your pride. 312-274-9624. And by the way, here's the good thing. No matter where you've gone, no matter how far you've fallen, no matter what, God is there for you. That's the cool thing about real lives and pride is that then he's here to lift you up. That. I guess it's a, a, it's a duet. montage. Yeah. Uh, sounds like a montage. Uh, yeah, someone else came in and duetted her. That's wild. Because they thought, this is my song. <laughs> I can do it better. My turn to sing now. <laughs> you know, I can do this. I know what's best. It's my responsibility. I can fix them. Now, we're not talking about not having opinions or not sharing what's on your heart or being a shriveling violet, but we're talking about doing all things with humility because. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, tearing down every lofty thing that's raised up against the knowledge of God. And the commentators on this thing wax so eloquent, man. I love what McLaren says. He says, the first effect of any real contact with Christ and his gospel is to reveal a man to himself, to shatter his delusive estimates of what he is, and to pull down about his ears the lofty fortress in which he has ensconced himself. <laughs> Those are some words. Pull man. down about the ears. The <laughs> lofty. Yeah. It's, that's good. I mean, that's, that's good, good writing. writing. It really is. That paints a picture for you. No, we, have, really we have placed ourselves in a very high place. And it doesn't matter if we appear to be prideful or not. Sometimes our, our extreme self-focus may even appear to be lack of confidence or low self-esteem, but really at the root of it, it's all about us. Yeah. It's a big, it's, it's so big that way. Uh, I got to tell you, you know, it's interesting. Can you struggle with insecurity and pride at the same time? The two usually go hand in hand. I think one, I did a message one time on this and I had a, I, on the stage at church, this is up in Alaska. I had a keg, an empty keg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in a beer keg. Yeah. And I put that on one kind of platform. And then over across the stage, it was a big stage. So it gave me this opportunity to do this. I put this little shot glass on the same kind of a platform. And, you know, the Lord had really been convicting me that, you know, we think of pride 
as somebody that's indulging over here in the keg. But really pride is just, it can be as subtle as taking those little shots of self-will. I'm going to have it my way. And they're both very intoxicating. Yeah. yeah. And they can really get us, guys. Absolutely. Um, so I'm born again February 11th of 1984. I didn't know how fast this went by, man. Babe, if you're listening right now, why'd you marry me so soon? I had to, should have gone through a longer proving ground. <laughs> oh, my. So... And and that that's we can share a laugh on that one later. My bride's been very patient with me as a man over the years. Very patient with me. But he, so I I I go there to school, and I'm just going to go to one year of Bible college. Then I'm going to get on the mission field and start working with medical ambassadors. Use my construction skills and go for it. Mm. But I wound up running for a student got student body president. I'll tell you what it is, and uh, won, and uh, won as a freshman, which was pretty rare. Yeah. But I was a loud guy and I was on fire for the Lord. Mm. And so, and I'd never, I didn't, I, there wasn't a moment of pride in that. There really wasn't. I was just like, let's go, man. Yeah. Let's go. I'm fired up. So the next year I come on campus and man, I start to put God in people in a box, the very box that Jesus Christ didn't want to cram me into. And I began to judge people based on my perception of how Christians ought to act and live. And you know what? In retrospect, and I've gone back and I've, I've apologized to who I needed to apologize to as much as I could. I, maybe, maybe I need to call a big class reunion for everyone to come back <laughs> together again. I do a carte blanche apology. But I, I put God in a box something fierce, man. So and for give us a four example. So it was like the clothing, the the what what are we talking? I'll, I'll give you an example. So here I am, lost as a goose, and dancing like a crazy man at Gussie Lamore's Swiftwater Bills in Chilkoot Charlie's. Those are my three watering hole Before bars you in Alaska. Came to know Christ. Yeah, and I mean I'm just crazy person. So we had a girl that was. This is so embarrassing, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. We had a girl that was promoting an event, so I'm student body president, and as she's promoting the event, she had this cutout, full-size cutout of Amy Grant. And this girl dared to kind of dance across the stage, kind of dancing and shimmying as she went. And in my heart, here's here's what happens. You know, when you get saved from garbage, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, every hint of that can get really ugly. Sure. Sure. But the danger of that is that pride can create a box of what what, it, what the way life needs to be that now starts condemning people rather than having mercy like Jesus did to us. Sure. You know, it's the kindness of God that led us to repentance, but I became an unkind person. And I remember uh, communicating with this really cool girl, um, my prideful perception of what she did, promoting a cool little event. And yeah. it was, in retrospect, guys, it was nothing. Sure. It was yeah. nothing. Yeah. But I had my mind's eye here what, what, what Christian kids needed to look like. And by the way, there's no excuse for it. None. You'd, we're all on the hook for pride. But God in his grace gave me a bride who walked with me through all that stuff. And then... I got down to South Africa, 
And the angry evangelical that was being formed in me was absolutely broken one morning at 3 a.m. when I wrote, wrote, uh, was reading Grace Awakening by Chuck Swindoll. And I've, I think I've even got, I don't know if, I don't think I have the original book because I've got, there's one paragraph that he was writing and I'm like, this is to me. And he was saying something to the effect of, if you're, if, if you're a self-righteous parent who thinks you've got answers, whether outspoken or quiet, and you think, I've kind of got the way to go here, you're going to raise kids who resent you and are going to be embittered toward you. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Wow. And I got on my knees because we had little Cabin is around the corner, oh. snoring away, oh. year and a half old. Muriel's a brand newborn. And I'm like, dear God, save me from this kind of prideful garbage. And I got on the phone. I called the president of Multnomah Bible College at the time, Dr. Joe Aldridge. I spent big money because phone calls back in that day. I mean, this is back in the day, baby. And it cost money. International International call. I got on the phone. I said, Dr. Joe, it's Carl. He says, Carl, how are you? I said, I'm not doing well. I've got to ask you for forgiveness. I said, I was so arrogant toward you. I said, I led a couple of uh, strongly opinionated uprisings and kind of, I was a pain in the neck to you, Dr. Joe. And you took me out every week to mentor me and I learned from you, but I wasn't good back to you. And he took me out to breakfast at Elmer's Pancake House every week because he was president of the school. I'm student body president. And we had great times together, but I wasn't on my best behavior all the time with him. And I said, I, I need to ask you for your forgiveness, man. I, it's just pride, Dr. Joe. And he said, Carl, you're forgiven. And he says, I want to tell you something else. I get these cocky freshmen coming in here every year thinking the same thing. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, oh yeah. wow. wow. That's okay. so, so all I'm going to tell you is I don't think anyone can avoid having prideful moments. But let God kick the cocky freshman out of you, boom crew. Don't be the cocky freshman. Right. Yeah. When you're 40, when you're 50. When you're 60, don't be the cocky freshman, man. Because you know what? Those international calls are expensive. (laughs) And it ain't worth it. And they add up. (laughs) And they add up. Man. Allie's got a question for you. Tell us a moment that you were confronted in your pride. Maybe someone else kind of confronted you. More likely than not, though, it was the voice of the Holy Spirit showing you an attitude that was prideful or a posture of heart or a way of speaking to people. Tell me about a time you were confronted in your pride. Going from believers of Jesus to followers of Jesus. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. All right, we got a question out there. Man, we're not getting a ton of response on this one. I thought I could kind of lead the way and plow a path down through <laughs> that deep snow and open up an opportunity for you to share. Well, we got a text message in answering this question. A time when you were confronted in your pride. This is someone who said, I had a conflict at work with someone. It was really small. 
But considering that I absolutely hate conflict, I avoided eye contact with this person for weeks (laughs) until they were the bigger person and eventually offered a genuine good morning and a smile, which totally softened the situation. Ah. Yikes, that was humbling. I don't know what that woman's faith or beliefs even are, but this Christian me, I was for sure holding on to judgment and pride for far too long. Mm. That's a good word. It's a good one. Oh, boy. Good one. Share a time when you were confronted by your pride. Come on. It's a good thing to do. It's cathartic. Trust me, I just did it. It feels really good. It's like, oh, ooh, that feels good. Yeah, it feels good. Well, I'll share one. I may be coming up. We only have I'm about kind of excited, seconds. but I think I'll make time yeah, right this now. Was no, a, this no, was no. a moment <laughs> I was confronted in my pride, and it was by my daughter who was no more than eight years old oh talk yeah talk about humbling yeah. oh that's the worst oh, thing oh, man. we're all groaning the mouth of babes <laughs> sitting in the back seat of the worst. car and she was right she was so right hang on we'll get Ooh. to ali's story coming to you live from the morningstar mission sponsored studios this is carl and crew mornings on 90.1 fm moody radio got a question for you out there we're going to get ali's answer to this one chomping at the bit to hear it but uh, we're asking you share a time you were confronted by your pride and here's why for though we walk in the flesh we are not waging war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Some translations say carnal, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now, the question is, what are these strongholds? Here it is. Verse 5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. You know the thoughts that are being taken captive here? A lot of people discuss, oh, boy, these are condemning thoughts and all that. There's lots of scriptures that talk about not letting condemning thoughts roll through your head. But what's being spoken of here is prideful thoughts. Yeah, The thoughts being taken captive here are ones of, I've got my way. I know how worship ought to be led at this church. Um, I know this. I know that. By the way, having an opinion is one thing, but sharing it in a humble way. And by the way, this does not mean be a shriveling wall violet, you know, flower or whatever. And no, this means... Sharing things in a way that's that's offering ourselves and our opinions to others, wanting the glory of God in all things, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Absolutely. All right, let's get your story, Allie. Yeah, so I, you know, thing about parenting is nobody really tells you how it's supposed to go. <laughs> so you kind of figure <laughs> things out as you go. And, you know, I definitely, like most parents, you want your kids to behave a certain way. You want them to be respectful. You want all these great things for them. But what I realized that it was coming out in a prideful way of me constantly correcting and constantly kind of heaping more. I need you to do this this way. And and so we were, I picked my daughter up from school and she's sitting in the back seat of the, our SUV. And I gave her yet another thing that I told her and kind of had corrected her on. And I don't even remember what it was, but I remember looking back and I could see her face and her curly hair in the rearview mirror. And she kind of sighed and she put her head down and she goes, I just have so many things to work on. Oh, and I was crushed because I was like, oh, no, what am I doing? What am I doing to her? She's sitting back there, seven or eight years old, and she's feeling like, I have so many things that I have to work on. How does that relate to your 
uh, to pride. Because it's the pride of feeling like as a parent that I have to control my kids. Oh, okay. I got it. Yeah. I got it. That I have to control them. I have to make sure that they do this right and this right and this right. Instead of kind of, yes, there's correction, but instead of kind of giving them the freedom to sort of figure some things out, it's this pride yeah, that yeah, says I get it. they have to be this way. I get it. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, yeah, when, when pride's driving the bus as a parent, you got a laundry list for your kids because yeah. they can't look wrong. Exactly. Yeah, oh, you're, and you're infusing that stress into yeah. their life. Bless her little heart. Boy, out of the mouth of little children. And it, was, it was a great <laughs> corrective. <laughs> she didn't even know she was correcting. No, them, but she it had was, no clue. It was a good eye opener. What a beautiful thing. Anonymous in Chicago, thanks for holding on. How is God a time when you've been confronted with your pride and what's God doing about it? Good morning. Thank you. Um, I was, I have, I think, been battling with sharing pride in a humble way for maybe 20 years now. Our son, um, blessed to be a professional athlete um, in 2020. And when you hit that summer sports comment, that's spot on. Um, so many <laughs> friends and I used to joke and be like, we need to make a reality show on like travel sports. Oh, for the yeah. Moms, it's the you know? worst. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. You hit it spot on. And, and you know, the thing I heard Diana even mentioned something, you know, and being happy is one thing. I am constantly confronted with the pride, you know, even at home, like when my husband and I watch our son on TV, if, you know, and if, you know, if I start to say something, you know, he's like, Hey, you know, and, and reminds me, you know, because it's like, I struggle with being happy. I struggle with being competitive. I struggle with wanting to share something on social media. My goal is to like, when I get my weekly report on, you know, how much my screen time was, I want to be like under two hours a day, <laughs> you know, I That's do funny. work from home, but right. it's like, I don't want to be on social media. I don't, it's, it's so hard. It, it's like, am I, am I humbly sharing? Am I being humbly prideful? I've even talked about it with other mothers, you know, that their sons are in the same um, caliber, you know. And, right. And, uh, you know, and one is a scripture person who turned me on to so much, and I'm so thankful for her for my little daily um, reminder Bible that she gave me, which is the, the things. But could you please repeat what scripture you said Oh yeah, um, this is this the is actual passage. Yeah, this is great, and thank you, anonymous. Thanks for calling in, and you know, frankly, this that's a tough one because people that really have accomplished something or have the kids that have, it's almost like the stakes get a little bit higher. It's like, oh my goodness! I can imagine that. Being when difficult. do you? When do you? It's all. It's almost more pressure to try to sort out. When am I? genuinely just sharing an accomplishment of a kid versus yeah. when am I like just over that top wanting to look at my kid. Yeah. I, and that's a, that's a tension that we're going to always live in. Right. Yeah. That's totally. really hard. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10 anonymous. And this is so good, by the way, the whole chapter for though we walk in the flesh, verse three, we are not waging war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive 
to obey Christ. And what he's taking captive here are thoughts of, I can do it. I know what's best. It's my responsibility. I can fix it. I've got something to talk about here. And this isn't meaning that you don't have something to share or you don't have a great report on a kid. But here's what's great. If we can quiet ourselves long enough to go, what's motivating this? The Holy Spirit will sort it out yes. for us. Yes. What about you? Can you share a time when you were confronted by your pride? You were confronted by it? 312-274-9624. Coming up. Got someone here that uh, says pride comes from being a child of God. Pretty cool story. Hang on, guys. Your number one hub for freedom stories. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Good morning, Mercy. Glad you're here. Mercy, glad you showed up this morning. Reason I'm glad. Because it seems like every day brings with it an opportunity to tap into that mercy and find great hope and freedom. In confession of sin. Sometimes it's good old-fashioned garden variety pride. Today we're asking you to share about a time that you were confronted in your pride. Let's go to Cleo calling in from Chicago. Give us your story. Well, my um, my pride seeps in quite frequently because I know I'm a child of God. And I wear that with a badge of honor. And when I'm around certain family members and sometimes strangers, and they're acting a certain way that makes me kind of turn my nose up and feel my pride rising. Mm. And I start to feel like I'm better than them because I know I'm a child of God. <laughs> when I, <laughs> it's and when that hits me, uh, yeah. And then when that hits me, the spirit kicks in and says, you know better, so you do better. And then it simmers down and I'm able to relax and just rest in being a child of God and not being judgmental because of that. Cleo, that is so beautifully put, sister. Wow. I that's love a, that. That's a, wh- why do you love it? Because the Spirit ministers to her even yeah. in those moments. And, and, and I think that's important is we need to be aware of where kind of our trigger points are for some of our common slip-ups and let the Spirit minister to us. And, and I think Cleo's doing that just in the fact that, you know, hey, th- this comes up and it comes up, like she said, commonly. But the Spirit's talking to her, and she's listening and moving forward in that. And that's that's part of taking those thoughts captive. Yeah, it's really a sweet thing, guys. Isn't it, isn't it funny how we can be begging bread, called out of darkness, saved by the power of Jesus, and then kind of look with disdain at those that are begging bread? Yeah, <laughs> definitely has happened to me. I've done it before, too. Yeah. It's just a weird thing, man. Oh, and, and, but here's the hope. And by the way, this isn't overselling this, guys. When we humble ourselves under God's mighty hand and come to a humble awareness, it's like, oh, that's really ugly. Yeah. There is joy that floods our heart. It's not a matter of you sit there and have to pay penance. Uh-uh. There is joy that floods your heart. The moment you go, wow, I'm being a horse's patootie. Hmm. It's just freedom. It is freedom because then you can turn to God because you know that there's nothing you can do to fix that. When you see ugly stuff in your heart, that's what, at least for me, that's when I'm most appreciative of the grace of God because I go, I can't do anything about this. I can't fix this heart. I can't make myself not this. But God, you can. Yeah. Uh, Let's go here. Let's go Sue in Wisconsin. What's your story? Yeah, I am. 
raising my kids growing up, got a lot of positive affirmation about we're a cute family. You guys are so cute. You're always dressed cute. You look so cute. You know, I got caught up in a lot of that raising my kids and, um, you know, you start focusing sometimes more on appearance and yeah. my daughter, her first child was, we found out a 20 week ultrasound that she was missing most of her, um, left arm. And it was just an extremely dark time for me through those six months of waiting until she was born, working through a lot of my own pride on, um, you're physical appearance. You're a good grandma. Yeah. You're a good grandma. And it's taught me so much. I have learned so much. Um, she's just the joy of my life. And um, it has helped me look at people so differently. And um, I'm sorry. No. It's okay. I expect to start crying. But um, just looking at people's heart, looking at people who they are, not at the um, outward appearance. And it was a humbling experience for me. God worked in my heart for many months to get to accept this and uh, learn so much from it. But um, the joy, the blessing, the opportunities we have had through this little girl who's now 14 and can do anything everyone else can do. It's yeah. just been it's just been amazing. So um, that was a huge work on my own pride. And a lot of my family, too, of just the acceptance and not worrying about what people think and and um, going forward with that in a lot of ways that we have been able to use this as a testimony of God's work in our own lives. That's beautiful, Sue. Stay on the horn. I'm going to get you a Carlin Crew prize pack. I don't do it for every caller, but I feel prompted with this. And I want you to put a a little thing of tissues in this one. (laughs) I want you to put oh, a little man. thing of Lucky. tissues in there. Make sure they put a little thing of tissues. And when you get that, yeah. Sue, that's from us saying yeah. thank yeah. you. Because your tears are a genuine expression mm-hmm. of a good God who loves his kids and loves humility. It's a great thing. Uh, a lot of things to pray about. Uh, I'm going to take a moment aside here to pray for what's going on in Turkey. Uh, obviously, they've got... A lot of rubble that they're sorting through. How many thousands have been? 17,000. 17,000. Death toll is going to continue to rise. It's a horrific thing. And then I heard something else here, guys. A quarter million Russian troops have died in this Ukrainian war. Mm -hmm. A quarter million. I, I... And I'm not... I heard correctly, right? Yeah, you are are, uh, not mistaken. That is tragic because a lot of these boys that went and died were conscripted just drug off the streets oh yeah i mean off the they pulled some of them guys off the streets and they went home to home finding guys that were conscripted in and and it's just it's just brutal so much pain in this world today who's got the answer jesus does father in jesus name we think of turkey we think of Russia, we think of Ukraine, we think of our brothers and sisters in the underground church that are being persecuted around the world as we speak right now. Oh, God, God, extend your hand to do signs and wonders while we, your children, speak the word of God boldly. 
God, help us see that we are an extension of the Son of God, sharing hope in a dark world, giving uh, tissue to dry up tears of pain by the words we say and the life that we live. Lord, we know that if we humble ourselves under your mighty hand, you will lift us up and we are usable then. We understand when we talk about a topic like this, why God resists the proud but gives more power to the humble. We get it. We get it, God. And Lord, if it could be said of us that we in the Boom Crew could be humble people today, what a great thing that would be. Lord, knowing that this isn't about dumbing ourselves down or pretending that something isn't going well when it is, but capturing it in a way that is effervescent and and life-giving even to those around us who hear it. And I thank you that we can be used by you, but at the same time not intoxicated with ourselves. Lord, we do pray for those that are in pain around the globe today. Moms and dads that are crying over a lost son, a lost daughter, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that your gospel will go out with clarity from your kids. And here in Chicagoland, Lord, let it, let it be said of us that we are humble, dependent people on you. In Jesus' name, amen. And let it be. Amen. Amen. Got a question for you. And it flows right out of 2 Corinthians 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war. We are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but we have divine power to destroy strongholds. What are these strongholds? We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. These things that are taken captive, these strongholds, it's all about making war with pride. That's what the whole context of 2 Corinthians 10 is about making war with pride. Not raising up anything against the knowledge of God. Commentator McLaren, who's long since gone on to his reward, says this, the first effect of any real contact with Christ and his gospel is to reveal a man to himself to shatter his delusive estimates of what he is and to pull down about his ears the lofty fortress in which he has ensconced himself. Lofty fortress in which he has ensconced himself. Yep. Andrew Murray says it, and it's so true. Humility is the one virtue that gives birth to every other virtue. And humility is a virtue that is first realized when we are bankrupt spiritually. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Blessed are the poor in spirit. When we realize our spiritual bankruptcy, we are blessed by God. What a powerful thing. Hey, Boom Crew, this is Matt Forte. Huddle up, because we're taking our next step with Jesus here on Call and Crew in the Morning. 
All right, we got a huge lateral move. Going over here. You know what today is? It's This is going to be controversial. We just got to let you know that up yeah, front. Yeah, this is super it's controversial. Gonna, this is going to raise some controversy, and we're ready for it. It's National Pizza Day. <laughs> pizza, pizza. Oh, man, like Little deep, Caesars? Deep, deeper, deeper, thin. Pizza's here? Deep, pizza's here? deeper, thin. Oh. Deep. Deep dish. I want as deep crust. as you can go. As deep as it is from the crust of the planet. I thought you were thin crust. No, no. Deep. You're deep. I'm deep. Absolutely. Jonathan, can you get us some music? Of course, I I, can. I am thin crust all the way. Got to get you a little music. Allie, why are you thin crust? Come on, give me a fist bump. Reach way out. Ah, okay. Are you thin crust? All the way. Whatever that that room. That's 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 um. Saw a special on where pizza was founded. By the way, it was. I'm just going to tell you right now. Napolitana pizza. Is I'm, am I saying that rightly? Napolitana pizza. No idea. It, is, it was. It was born in a in one little town in Italy during a time when they were going through a lot of poverty and they couldn't get their hands on foodstuffs. And so it was. It was an economical food. Yes, absolutely. For sure. But it was thin crust. And by the way, I can't. There's rules against this. But I'm going to give you the best thin crust pizza joint going. I'm not willing to be prideful and say thick is. If you like thick crust, deep dish, that's great. You're not getting any benefit from this place for no, saying no, you like it. No, because if I say I like it, and he were to give me a little, um, let's say he gave me a slice of pizza and yeah. said, "Hey, here you go, Carl. Thanks for sharing this on air." I could never say anything about it. It's called payola or plugola. Yeah. There's federal mm-hmm. laws yes. against this. Yeah. Absolutely. But I've not gotten a deal from him ever. Which I'm not bummed about. That's fine because I love his You'll pizza. You'll pay for it. I'll pay for it. But if you go, if you want thin crust pizza and you can make the haul, it's out on Barrington Road. You go out the 90, get off on Barrington, hang a left, go back across the interstate, and drive for about mile and a half, two miles. It's across Barrington Road from Lowe's. And it's in a little area there. It's called Napoli Pertuti. Okay. Get the Diavola pizza. Oh! <laughs> Go to Napoli. Has anyone else been to Napoli Pertuti? Send me a text, but I, I just have to give props. Okay. This guy, it's the best in pizza in Chicago land. I know you're you're going. I beg to differ. I know where you can find the best pizza in Chicago land. Ah. Text messages only on this one. Where can you find the best pizza? In Chicagoland, let's take a quick Boom Crew poll. Text us, 312-274-9624. Have you ever heard of this little place called Giordano's? It's kind of you know, obscure. I don't know. I really like it. I think you should try it out. <laughs> Pan pizza all the way. Pan pizza? Where are you, Detroit? Hello. That's still thick. Oh, no, Pam Pizza is a Detroit no, style. Detroit no. style pizza. Isn't pan and thick the same thing? Yeah. No, I mean, absolutely Detroit not. Detroit style uh, pizza is different from Chicago style deep dish. No, no, no. Diana's saying pan pizza. Oh, pan not pizza deep. is Detroit style pizza. Are you thinking deep dish, super die, or, or pan? Both. Aren't they the same thing? No, not, no, no, no. Don't no. you have level. to put it in a pan in order to make it <laughs> stick together? I mean, probably, so, but yeah. pan pizza is like the, it's like rectangle style Pan and it's it's deeper for sure, but it, it is not deep dish. It's it, not the sauce on top of the cheese. We had a sore spot on Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like pan pizza, but what are you doing? Well, I want to say this with total humility on this one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but 
You need to get around a little bit more, Young Thunder. Why? <laughs> Why do I? I got to get you out. I think you would love Napoli Pertuti. Yeah, I probably but he would. has his favorites and he stays in that That's lane. true. He does. When Jonathan finds something he likes, Jonathan doesn't sway from the menu he's very so, often. Yeah, he's very okay. happy. I'm going to go through a couple of these. There's lots of votes. We got to vote for Lou Mal's uh, Home Run In. Huh? Okay. Oh, yeah. Aurelio's uh, Pequods. A couple of votes for Pequods. Now, that is a Chicago one that has ranked. It, that's some of the best pizza in the yep. world. Yep. So I, I don't know. I'm just putting that out there. Giorgio's in Crystal Lake. Oh. Uh, Paul Palermo's on 63rd. Another vote for Napoli Pertuti. Another uh, vote well, for hold, hold on. Can I read that text? Napoli Pertuti is phenomenal. 800 degree oven done in 90 seconds and unbelievable. Somebody else said this, though. <laughs> I tried to go to Napoli Pertuti. We arrived with great expectation. They told us they ran out of dough. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. Hey, man, it's busy. Yeah. Oh, my word. That's good. La Villa's Pizza, Salerno's Pizza on Grand Ave. What do you say? Best pizza in Chicagoland. Text message only 312 274 9624. Oh, my goodness, man. And people have. They're they're pouring in here. I mean, we're Chicagoans. We take our pizza seriously. For sure. Seriously. That rhymes with Napoli Pertuti. Does it, though? Seriously, Patuti. Mm, uh-uh. It's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> they both have yeah. E at the end. <laughs> I'm from Wisconsin, and this is the best, in my opinion. Uh, Kaiser's Ooh. Pizza and Pub. Okay, we're getting a lot. Ooh, a Fa- beggar's Pizza. Yes, that's another beggars. good one. Yeah. I've never had Beggar's Pizza. Beggar's I've seen pizza it. Beggar's Pizza is really good. Fat Ricky's in the South Suburbs. Giordano's. Nancy's Pizza. That's a new one. Yeah. Someone okay. said, oh, Allie, you've opened a, a hornet's nest. Yeah, nice. maybe a little bit. Yeah, yeah. it's a good one. 312-274-9624. Best pizza in Chicagoland. And yes, that reaches up to Wisconsin. Where is it? Text in right now. Get your vote in. Is there good pizza in Wisconsin? They got a little Caesars, I heard. Oh, you are raw. You are raw. You are raw. Send your emails. Young.thunder. Wow. Young.thunder. I do need like a troll email We're for people just to come that. in and yell at me for my takes on Young.thunder. <laughs> Young.thunder. Oh, man. I just saw my bride's text. We start talking about this, and immediately she texted me, Napoli Pertuti, Schomburg. <laughs> <laughs> I got it in That's there, babe. And then cute. someone takes it in. Napoli Pertuti means Napoli for everyone, which oh. is great. Now oh. I know how to get this pizza joint in. So I'm going to say, hey, this is a Pertuti. This question is Pertuti. It's for everyone. <laughs> oh, boy. So I can weave it into everything. Ooh. Okay. You uh, might have a big baligan if like, I do uh, that. It's starting like- to get hungry. <laughs> Yeah, I am. I hey, just was looking up, uh, are, are there any pizza places that open early? Thank yeah. you. Looking at the clock, like, it's 8.06. Is anyone, can anyone deliver us a pizza at 8.06 a.m.? Uh, Maybe not. That but would be really boy, nice. Boy, it would be good right now. Yeah. Oh, man. Super good. Oh, man. Oh, man. We even had Michigan weighing in. Silver Beach Pizza. That's Michigan. Oh, that's a Michigan that's Saint, one. That's St. Joe Saint County. St. Joe. Yeah. Vito and Nick's. Uh, Spaca Napoli. In Ravenswood. Moretti's in McHenry. La Villa's Pizza. I know that one. That one's on the north side. Oh, boy. <laughs> Another vote for Kaiser's. Outstanding, they're saying. That's up there in Wisconsin. They're trying to they're trying to take you on here, Young Thunder. That's okay. 
That's okay. I'll take it. Now I wonder how many people tonight are going to have pizza for dinner. <laughs> yeah, for real, at, man. You know. My goodness. Can't really say I, right now. I can't yeah. believe, you know, I was expecting to get like, you know, a lot of votes for one kind of place. I don't think I knew this many pizza places existed. I love it. Everywhere. Yeah. I love this. I Very few repeaters. I mean, there's the Lou Mal's that repeats a couple of times. Right. But. Yeah, no one's voting with you, Young Thunder. That's okay. Giordano's. Yeah, I, hey, I mean, Giordano's come in too many times. No. no, I think I only saw it once. I haven't but you seen know what? that. It's okay. Sometimes, that... sometimes the people who are the most right have the least people standing with them. So. Huh? Is that? Yeah. Is that usually, how it goes. Hope that feels good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Nancy's, and then somebody said there's some kind of frozen pizza that's really good. I need to know the name of that because I have I mean, yet to taste one frozen pizza okay, that's I, any good. I grew up on like those, you know, those. Oh, like, yeah. Gino's. You could go to the grocery store. I remember this. And I was one of four kids. So we would take advantage of those specials where you could get like three frozen pizzas for $7. It was like Tony's Pizza. Tony's or Jack's. Yeah. Jack's. Tony's yep. or Jack's. Yep. And I mean, they're so thin and so small that really you probably need one teenager could eat, easily eat a whole one. Oh, they can. Themselves. I have one. <laughs> but the three for $7 brings back real good childhood memories of like throwing that thing in the oven, trying to watch it, make sure it doesn't burn because they cook really fast. Yeah. A good frozen pizza, man. Sometimes it, it, it hits just right. So here's the question I got for you guys. Yeah. How do you reheat your pizza? Do, you, do go, you Do you go, if you brought home leftovers, uh-huh. which I do from Napoli Pertutti in Schaumburg <laughs> off Barrington Road, uh, yeah. do you do you put it in the microwave mm-hmm. or do you put it in, do you take toaster. the time to put it in the oven? Microwave. Or you have a toaster oven. Let's get oven. this thing done fast. Got to go oven. Oven or air fryer. Got to go oven, man. Air fryer right. is good at reheating. A crust goes south in a hurry if you put it in that there. Or do you that's heat true. it at all? Some people like cold pizza. That's oh, true. That's cold true. pizza. Over cold pizza. pizza. Cold pizza There's is the, the other bomb. option. That's a good breakfast food. It is. Spoken like a young man. <laughs> Recently, a college grad. He's the most recent college grad of, yeah, of the four right. of us. Yeah. Uh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Uncle this Jerry's. Is this is great. Chicago pizza. Frozen uh, Connie's or Home Run Inn? I don't know if Home Run Inn sounds that good. Although that's not the first time I've <laughs> no, seen Home Run Inn. No, Home Run a couple times. Oh, huh. It is nat- National Pizza Day. Now we've got people Celebrate. telling us how to put it in the microwave. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Air fryer, toaster oven are getting a lot of votes. This is good. How, how's a toaster oven different than a oven? Like the one that sits on the countertop. It's basically it's smaller. An oven. It's smaller. You can put less things in it, but it does it faster. Yeah, a little quicker. It blows. Doesn't it Without cycle air stove. or something in it or something? Probably sometimes. It's got like the heating underneath, the coils underneath, so it goes a little bit faster and it's a little quicker than turning the whole oven on, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Boy, there Mine is work so out, me. <laughs> much feedback coming in here. Okay, guys, we're going to get back to the topic at hand. Coming up here in a moment, boy, have we got one now that'll be perfect for you. Share a time when you were confronted by your pride. You no, know, because it, it's funny. We can have our opinions and get prideful uh, on things as small as a favorite pizza. Some people will go to the wall for a, a preference or an opinion. It's easy to do, but pride is so sneaky. It, it creeps up into so many other areas, even beyond our favorites. It does. we got a central passage of Scripture. We're going to break it down for you. We've had some of the sweetest calls this morning, guys, so... Hang on, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. What if we told you that the strongholds that Paul calls us to tear down and take every thought captive are those moments of pride in our life? We'll break it down straight ahead. 
Oh, my goodness. We're getting so much feedback here, guys. DiGiorno? Who says DiGiorno? I mean, okay. (laughs) Want more from your morning show? Check us out on social media. Just go to Carlin Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. We're talking about doing war with pride. And there is a golden opportunity that we have here in the next few minutes for you to testify to this. And it is a beautiful thing. Tell us about a time when you were confronted by your pride. Maybe it was a surprise to you. It wells up and the, the voice of the Holy Spirit showed you. You got some pride going on there. Tell us about it. 312-274-9624. Terry, first time caller here in Chicago. What do you say, Terry? Hey, good morning, Carl. Good morning. Uh, I'm just calling. Uh, hey, I saw you at, uh, out in Naperville for your seven resolutions, man. I want to say that was nice. That was awesome. That's cool. Appreciate but, that, Terry. Uh, um, yeah, I was just calling and wanted to say I've been listening to your show here for, oh, man, probably like 10 years, and you're talking about pride now, so... You know what? I'm going to give a chance and call in and just kind of tell you a little story. Yeah. Um, I I was a volunteer firefighter about uh, oh, 15, 20 years ago. And, you know, it was something I always wanted to do because I always liked helping out people and everything and just thought, you know, what, I want to do this. And uh, I and I was on the department and volunteering and everything. And it got to a point where it was where I was realizing that that pride was sinking in because it's like, you know, I was working construction. But and then when I told people, well, no, I'm a. I'm a firefighter. I just like, you know, that really like, like it put like the big, like chip on my shoulder. Then like, you know, and I, I'm a firefighter. I'm, uh, you know, and that, that pride was sinking in then. And, and I can say that I had a, it's like, no, I'm not a fire, fire. I mean, there was times where I had to just catch myself from that and just like, no, I'm not, you know, this is, I'm doing this. I'm volunteering to do this. I want to do this because, and it's not, be you know that for to be putting a chip on my shoulder or in you know and I'm you know there's other guys it's like you know I I couldn't like sit and trying to compare it's like you know I'm not a firefighter I mean there's guys that have been doing this for 20 years they they're the firefighters not me and that's what I had to keep reminding myself yeah that's a sweet word my man Terry, thank you. That's so honest. First time caller. Boom, brother. It's so common to let pride creep in maybe in the type of job you have or a position that you've held. And you somebody may say, Oh, do you do you do this? Oh no, I am the CEO or the whatever. That pride can creep in. Yeah, it can it it can happen. Way to go, Terry. Way to come to grips with that, man. That's powerful. Taking your calls and your stories. Share a time you were confronted by your pride. Sarah, Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening from Fort Collins, sister. What what do you say today? Yeah, so I just wanted to say pride has always been an ongoing issue for me, but recently the Lord has just gripped me with it, and it started with a book that I recently read, um, and I read something in this book, and it said, like, self-pity is a form of pride, and I had never thought of that that way before, but uh, the more I think about it, the more I pray about it, it's so true. Like, I am a mom of little kids and stuff, and I tend to get kind of, like, I tend to wallow in self-pity and like feeling bad for myself. And also if I feel like I'm doing more than my husband is doing and like I'm contributing more, I start to feel like bad about myself in a sense, or I start to get kind of bitter about that. And so I get this mindset of like this pride comes in where like, I feel like I don't deserve this. Like I, you know, I do a lot, like I'm such a good person, blah, blah, blah. Like I shouldn't have to do this too. And it just becomes this like thinking of myself over all others, including like putting myself and my needs or what I think are my needs before Christ. And so, so so yeah, so it's just been a really good 
wake-up call for me. That's great. And, Sarah, I'm so glad you called in because self-pity often isn't distinguishes that. But it's just a little shot glass of pride. Yeah. Oh, me. Yeah. Oh, me, oh, my. Good stuff. Rosalva, let's get in here. Uh, what do you say, Rosalva, from Chicago? Yeah, hi. Good morning. Um, so I was uh, telling the uh, I was I went to share actually. Uh, coming from another country, and it was um, hard for me to find a job here. But I volunteered at one of uh, the schools that uh, my daughters attend, and I got a position there. And because of it, I immediately my pride kept 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 in, in, and uh, I looked down on other people, especially one of my coworkers, and I hurt her feelings. But, you know, thankfully, another co-worker caught that, you know, pride in me, and she told me, you know, sometimes we as a believers think that we are the head of the body, but sometimes we are the toenail. And I immediately when she said that, I knew that she was talking about, like, my pride. And I, because of it, I needed to really humble myself before the Lord and ask my other co-workers that I hurt her feelings to really, you know, to forgive me that I hurt her feelings. So, yeah, pride is really um, not good. <laughs> it's no good. Rosalva, thank you so much for calling in, sister. Boom. Wow. That's why we call you the Boom Crew, guys. Wow. He's right, Allie. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.